So, welcome to a truly special milestone episode. We're here today to celebrate a remarkable achievement. It's our 100th consecutive podcast episode. It's awesome. So, uh, this is no ordinary moment. Uh, so, we're breaking from, from tradition. This time, I'm going to be your host, and I'm Stefan Leven. I'm the CEO and founder of Data Talks. But the star of the show today is our exceptional guest, uh, and she has a really grand introduction. So, a few words about Lorraine. Every time you encounter her, she brings a genuine, warm smile that lights up the conversation. She's just a great listener. She's an active, engaged participant, offering feedback that doesn't just critique, but truly improves. She is the embodiment of hard work and dedication, a leader with unwavering focus and an open-minded spirit. So I want you to meet the driving force behind our communications and PR here at Data Talks. She's not just confined to the world of business. She's also the driving force behind Data Talks initiative, Women in Sports Beyond the Hashtag, championing positive change and inclusion. Oh, and you might remember her as the voice behind the captivating 99 episodes of the sports CDP crash board. So big shout out to the one and only Lorraine. Thank you so much. That was uh, that was an introduction and a half. Um, almost got teary eyed. Uh, thank you so much for interviewing me. Yeah, this is uh, it's always uh, like uh, when you get, get into new situations, it's all, all, always a little bit nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're used to being on the side that I am on, not, yes. not being the, like, um, the the subject of the interview. Absolutely, and I guess as well, like. This is a special episode in the sense that like it we're celebrating, but also at the, at the same time, I think human beings were just really bad at celebrating, or maybe it's just me that's really bad at celebrating. So now I'm trying to take in what you just said instead of kind of sort of focusing on just getting the episode done. Exactly. You, yeah. you should take that in. Yeah. And, and now like, so I'm not used to being the podcast host host right so we've already sort of <laughs> gone away from the agenda because what we usually do before we begin is is that we start with an icebreaker right? yeah are you ready for the icebreaker i am ready all right good 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 okay so uh, what's your favorite quote expression or motto and why is it your favorite this one i don't know if it's my favorite but it's my favorite right now you know sometimes you stumble upon something and then it makes you think and i had to write it down because i wanted to get it uh properly and it life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness how do you know this is the experience you need because this is the experience you're having at the moment and it's by Eckhart Tolle and he's a spiritual teacher and it's just basically about I think most of us we're really good at planning for what we want in the future and and underestimating or not appreciating the situations that we find ourselves in whether that's a good situation or something that we think is good or something that we think is bad so I'm trying to come to peace with every single thing every single area of my life even the things that I'm trying to improve and understand that those are learning those uncomfortable moments are there to serve me versus trying to sort of bypass that and run off to the sort of the destination so it's it's kind of echoes that that saying it's not just about the destination it's about the journey as well so that's my favorite quote right now it's it's, it's a good quote yeah it's it is and maybe it connects a little bit to you were saying that it's it's sometimes 
hard to celebrate, right? Because celebrate something uh, or actually learning from 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 your failures because we have those as well, right? Is and the key to that is living in the moment. Uh, Absolutely. And I am reading a book about, uh, called, and it's by the same person, Eka Tone, and it's um, The Power of Now. So just right. living in the moment. If the moment calls for a celebration, can you celebrate and celebrate with your whole heart? If the moment calls for um, a tough conversation, can you have that tough conversation with as much compassion and as much open-mindedness as you can? And it's, uh, I don't think anyone can really say, yeah, I live in the moment 100%, but I think uh, it's a the spectrum and I, I don't think I'm quite there yet so that's what I'm trying to work on. Fantastic I can I can very much relate to this it's yeah. so easy that you just rush to the next thing and to the yeah. next thing and the next thing and you yeah. don't you don't like stop and reflect which I think is like it's it's important whether it's good or bad things Absolutely. you need to stop reflect and like learn and celebrate so great quote mm. great quote all right so uh thanks for that let's jump in um to to the to the podcast then so um since we are uh, uh, recording uh, this uh, uh, special episode today it's also a little bit of a double celebration it's not just the 100th podcast episode but we're also commencing your second anniversary with the data talks so that began on november 15th actually in 2021 so as we reflect on both of these milestones maybe i'm curious to hear more about your journey uh, do you recall you know, like your first day here at data talks and um, how did it feel to step into into this role yeah i mean my first day was a mixture of, was a uh, virtual right because i was still living in lund which is uh, five hours away from stockholm and so <laughs> i remember now <laughs> yeah, I, like, um, it was a mixture of everything. Firstly, what is a CDP at the time? I was like, I don't know what I'm going to be working with. And I had read so much in preparation for my for my interview. But then it's one thing to prepare for just a one-off event of like it's an interview and then that's done. But now it's like, how am I gonna do this job? So it was an it was excitement to prove myself as well, I guess, because I'm the kind of person I don't want to ever make someone feel like it was a mistake to bring me on to something. And so I was like really eager to, to prove to Santi that she did the right thing by hiring me. Um, but I was also afraid because I was like, what do I know? You know, and as well, like the sports side of things. I grew up in a very sporty environment, which is something that I'm recollecting now, because before I was like, I wouldn't have said that. But um, I grew up in an environment where Sundays were all about sports on TV. So we were watching that. And in school, um, you had to do sport and there was an elimination process. So it's like you, you try first and then you get eliminated versus you opt out. And so, like I said, I, I sort of tuned that past or that uh, side off because it was never an interest of mine. And so now to get into the sports context, I really had to dig deep and I really had to sort of be open minded and learn. And it has been such a rewarding, rewarding experience. So it was a mixture of everything is the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, and since you're mentioning like the, um, the learnings and, 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 and the experience that, that you gained during this, this time, can you share maybe some of the most significant ways that, that, that your work at Data Talks has contributed to your, your own growth and, and, and your development? 
I think when it comes to my growth, honestly, it's the thing that I've learned most at Data Talks has been my attitude and how I face things, my mindset and all those things. Because when I first started at the company, I was a very fearful person. I'll still say that I, I'm working on it, but I, I, there's still a hint of that. Um, and it's just just life, you know, um, certain things trigger certain emotions. And for me, the emotion that I felt a lot was was fear uh, throughout like my childhood and things like that. And so I was quite fearful, very afraid of putting myself up there, very afraid of pitching ideas because if it goes wrong, then everyone's going to look at you and then blah, blah, blah. So just this very fear-based everything. So everything that I did, even if I did it well, there was a lot of fear involved in that. And I think that one of the biggest lessons I've learned is really to trust myself a bit more, you know, because you don't get to 100 episodes without actually being consistent, without being um, creative, without being um, strategic, all those different things. So having that build sort of this evidence of I can do this has really been helpful. And also just learning to not be so terrified of first, because I remember like my first big thing ever in life was moving to the UK. And that was a terrifying experience because of the immigration, the rules, the laws and all those things. So then my attitude towards first time doing things has always been sort of like, oh, things are going to go terribly wrong. But I remember when we did our first LinkedIn Live event, when you were there, <laughs> that was one of the, that was so terrifying because I was like, this could go wrong. And at the time, Dionysus, who's, uh, who's on my team, or I'm in his team, um, he was also afraid because he had an experience where they wanted to do an ambitious project and then it didn't go so well. So both of us were terrified, but I remember just being like, okay, this is terrifying. But we're going to learn to appreciate first. We're going to learn to appreciate that just because it's the first time we're doing something doesn't mean it'll go horribly wrong. It might surprise us and it'll be all very, very well. So I think that entire attitude mindset is the one thing that I can really say I've really benefited from that talks. Now, now th this is so this is very, very interesting that you're saying this because it's and now I'm totally going away from the script. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But I, I want to pick up on this because you're saying two things. You're talking about learning, you're talking about the first time to do it, and you're also mentioning like uh, the, the fear base the, or the fear less that you need to achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think like being in a startup scale-up environment like Data Talks is or was and still is, it's quite demanding. Uh, but it can also be extremely rewarding. Like. Uh, it is demanding from, from the, exactly what you're saying. It demands that you do things for the first time. It can be the first time for the company, or it can actually be both. First time for the company, first time for yourself. So that is, that is a big challenge. And I think that uh, few who haven't been in that environment can really understand um, what that really demands from you, right? Yeah. So, so the only way... That you can approach that sort of uh, environment or, or actually this is going to sound harsh but survive uh, is that you sort of get rid of your fears and that you actually take on the challenges as learnings Absolutely. but it's not done like you just decide one day and no. hey I, now i'm fearless now i'm just 
taking all my challenges mm -hmm. as learning. Mm -hmm. It's a process, isn't it? And it's, I would say it's a daily process because the thing is, we are human beings. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with like human beings, that term, if it comes well, across. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are human and it takes, you don't know what might trigger you. You don't know what might make you sad or what might mm. make you happy. And you don't know that that thing is going to happen that day, right? So every single day I try to, when I wake up or before I come to work, I try to go, today I realize that I'm I'm still fearful, but I'm less fearful than I was yesterday. And to, I want to, so I set that intention of, if somebody says something that I don't understand, instead of jumping to conclusions and going, oh, this person is out to get me, I will investigate and ask and try to get to the bottom of what they're saying. So making it about them, since they're the person that is bringing this forward, versus making it about me. Because once I go, oh, now you're hurting me, we're moving away from, from the conversation at hand and we're moving to, to me, right? So it's just daily trying to be like, okay, I might have a an uncomfortable conversation today that I don't want to have, but I'm going to remain open-minded. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I'm not going to let fear um, take over. And Renee Brown, she's she works a lot with like, um, she's um, a researcher and she works a lot with shame, with fear, with perfectionism, which is a very bad thing because it's really based in, in fear and trying to, hide the fact that we're vulnerable people she she talks about just um oops i lost my train of thought there setting intentions what was i saying see this is what i'm always on the other side <laughs> because i'm the one that listens well, maybe maybe this is actually a very good example I think this is a very good example because this yeah. happens to everyone right yes. they lose a chain of thought yeah, and it can absolutely. happen anytime I remember one time, and you were there. Do you remember at Spogus? It's a huge like this uh, sports conference in, in Germany. Yeah. I don't know. It was like a, maybe 150, 200 people yeah. in the crowd, and I was on stage. I totally lost my chance. Yeah, I remember. And it lasted like it lasted for way too long. Like uh, maybe that, that's how it felt. It was like 30 seconds, one minute. I, I did not know what I yeah. was about to say next. Yeah, and that was, and I, I remember that you were in the audience. You yeah. knew what I was going to say next, and so was so did August, and he worked here previously, and he said that he was about to shout out the next words just to get me started. Yeah, eventually yeah, I, I picked it up, but it's but like it happens to the best of us. Definitely. Yeah. No, I'll probably remember at some point because I, I completely lost. Uh, my train of thought. Yeah, yeah it, yeah. Happens. it happens. It happens. It happens. It's, I think it's a good display of, like, you can react uh, uh, to that in so many different Absolutely. ways. Like, okay, so, okay, it, so now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe this is a learning stick to the script. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, if we just continue down memory lane, just, yeah. just for for a, for a minute here, I'd, I'd love to hear uh, about some of the experience that that have less left and like a lasting impact on yeah. you. So what are the most, or maybe one or two uh, most yeah. rewarding moments that you've encountered yeah. during your time here? I would say that um, most of the rewarding moments that I've encountered at Data Talks have one thing in common, and that's that I have an amazing team that I'm working with, and everything ties back to that so when we think back to when we were writing the book like just mm. amazing collaboration on that side Dionysius I mentioned him a second time but he's the chief growth officer here and he's just 
amazing. Like I remember, I mean, firstly, Santi, she's the one that took the leap and hired me and believed in in me as a person. Because I guess like when you hire someone and they say, I'm a storyteller and I'm going to help you build your brand by telling stories, it's kind of a, it's like, okay, what does that mean, right? It's, it's a bit of a uh, a tough one to, to take, but something took it and she was like, I think whatever she said, I'm buying. So I really uh, am grateful for that. And I feel like Sunfi has always approached me with that attitude of like, Lorraine, you need to trust yourself because I trust you. You need to trust your process and not try to make your process look like other people's process. And it's the same with Dionysius. When I got promoted to the head of communications and PR, he was saying to me, because I was freaking out so much. I, I, I told you in the beginning that I don't like disappointing people. I don't like making people feel like, oh, that was a mistake. We shouldn't have brought her on. And so that was really weighing heavily on me because it's that perfectionism again that I mentioned with Brené Brown. And Dionysius, I remember him just having a conversation with me and, be, and saying, Lorraine, I hired you, I, or rather you got promoted because we know that you're the best person for this role. It's not that we want you to prove that you're the best person for the role. So I think it's very hard to mention one specific event without really just being like the entire team has just been amazing and we have amazing leadership in the team awesome mm. i like that i like that that one of the things that you're mentioning so much is yeah. about the team yeah. because i think that i think that is like the most important thing is mm. that you have because you you, you cannot be a one-man show you need a good team team that, that that's behind you and that mm. you're in to, mm. to make things really really work yeah. all right fantastic so let's uh, let's switch tracks a little bit because one of the things that i definitely want to talk to you about is the women in sports uh, beyond the hashtag initiative mm -hmm. right yeah, i mean you, you you've been working so hard with that and being so successful with it so um one of the things that i would like to ask is what has been the most in inspiring thing about that working with that initiative and what are the fundamental objectives that mm -hmm. it's that it's aiming to achieve mm. i mean firstly with the women in sports beyond the hashtag like even from the beginning and it will always stay this way we're trying to create tangible value no matter what that that might change depending on like we don't know what might happen in the next five years or in the next two years but so what it looks like it might change but the core value of it is just that we want to create tangible value we don't want to just come and talk and talk and talk and then go home and then there's nothing no sort of um change being done or being seen. And maybe that's also the frustration because I guess in a startup, we have quick turnaround on things. Like we, if we decide we're doing something, we really go for it and we make it happen. And then we start to see the growth. Whereas like when you think about sports in general, it doesn't operate like that. It's things are much slower. And so that has been a frustration point on my side when I realized that we, on, on our side, we have so many ambitious things that we want to, contribute to the sports industry especially from the women's perspective and then you see that okay maybe things are not taking off as quickly as as you'd hope but on the bright side though i've loved all the conversations i've had with i mean we talk to everyone from like maybe um when you think about uh Patel, who founded the football is everywhere magazine to um nancy hensley who uh is part of mercury 13 I mean, the spectrum is huge and not just 
focusing on just the women, but also the allies. When you think about Robert Villahan, who at the time was at Biko Hecken and is now at Tottenham Hotspur. It's, we just have so many inspiring conversations and to be able to be part of those conversations and to be able to also inspire, because I think one of my strengths in life, depending on how you look at it, is that I'm optimistic, but a bit too optimistic in a very like, I believe in miracles kind of thing, <laughs> which which in business can, can be off-putting. But I think that's something that I actually contribute because in situations where a certain group of people have been at a, at a disadvantage, you don't want just the next best realistic thing. You want the big thing, right? You want the you want a bigger picture, something that everyone can throw themselves towards and put their energy towards. You want something that will bring sort of uh, take us out from the from what we're lacking and make us all focus on the the possibilities right mm -hmm. and so i think that has been sort of the highlight of of working on the initiative and also the the workshops that we've been doing with certain rights holders and sports organizations within the women's sports space and trying to help them um optimize the the commercial framework all those things just the fact that we actually focus on what can we actually change, what can we actually do, what can we, how can we make an impact today versus, oh, in the next couple of years when we have more resources. So I think, um, does that answer your question or did I just? No, absolutely. It, it, it absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, I think one, one of the things that I appreciate with that initiative is the ambition to be as concrete as possible. Not mm -hmm. talking about what can we do in the future. Yeah. Or, more talking about like the future state of mind but yeah. rather being focused here and now yeah. and seeing what is it that we need to be doing now Absolutely. to achieve what we want to achieve in the future mm. like it's very easy for anyone to talk about what is going to happen in the future mm. but it's really difficult to say okay so this is what we want to happen what do we need to be doing now yeah. to make that happen mm. so i think that that's uh, i think that's um, one of the really great things with mm -hmm. that initiative is that you're you're focusing on that and the discussions are often around that topic mm -hmm. which i think is, is is great and there is always like um, a lot of challenges and opportunities that that you face when mm -hmm. you're promoting something like this um, mm -hmm. like this uh, initiative for women's sports and gender equality mm -hmm. but are there any specific like when we're talking about that are there any specific challenges and opportunities that you would like to mm -hmm highlights yeah in this i think the challenge wise is is that change management right going from everyone has always viewed women's sports as this thing and now studies and uh consumer interest is showing that it could be this big thing right so bridging that taking that conversation and bridging that gap from what was what could be and what are we actually doing that has been a challenge because because different like the industry is made up of people and pe not all people share the same uh, conviction that women's sports should be getting as much attention as it, it is getting mm. now and mm. as well not everyone's good at having conversations sometimes i find that you go into a room and you're coming to discuss commercial strategy and then we talk about all the other things that are wrong with women's sports and then it's like yeah there's a lot to be done but if we focus on this one that's in front of us and we try to 
solve that, we can get we can do much more than mm. trying to to uh, sort of solve anything. And I think um, I think it was Mother Teresa who was asked because uh, she got backlash back in the day because people were saying, "Well, you're only focusing on the hospice and people that are dying. Don't you know that there's so many other issues in India?" And then she said, well, if that's your burden and you feel that passionate about it, then you do something about that specific part, because on my side, I can only do my part. So I think if we all realize that we have the little narrow kind of roads that we can focus on and fix that in the grand scheme of things, that will that will work out so much better. Mm -hmm. And also trying to to not focus so much on the on the this is so bad and all the bad, terrible things that have happened and trying to remain optimistic, of course, be realistic and know what you're up against, but also trying to bring in that optimism, because I find that these conversations as well can be a bit draining when it's just we're all complaining and not really coming up with solutions. So that those two, I think, they're the biggest challenges of like, let's be concrete and try to solve something versus being abstract and talking about all the problems that exist. And also like everyone contribute as much as you can on the side that you can, because in the grand scheme of things, it will be, uh, it will all work together. And the sort of the, the sum of all of our individual actions will be much bigger than just one person trying to, to do everything. And then in terms of opportunities, um, I think right now, just who was it? I think it was Nancy Hensley who kept who kept on saying, like, if you treated women's sports like a startup, you would realize just how much of an investment opportunity it is. And so I think mm. there's so many opportunities now. And I'm not I'm not going to talk about myself, but rather opportunities in the industry for other people, other women that want to join the industry and do something. There's plenty of opportunity there. When you think about technology, like women's sports is I personally think is at an advantage because they're booming at a time when everything is kind of there and ready. So if a sports club, for example, is, is tiny and has no resources, there's loads of social media channels that are free to use, um, loads of um, resources online. We've got ChatGPT, we've got Copilot um, on Edge, on Microsoft Edge. So there's so much that we could do with very limited resources that I personally believe that is why. And now, like, everyone's on their phone and on their cameras. So the fans themselves want to see more being done on women's side. So it's just all around, no matter how you look at it. It's Things are really working out for the better because of where we are as a, as a society. Amazing stuff there. there there's couple of things that I want to pick up on. Um, the first one is like, and I agree with this, uh, is that when whatever initiative you started, like if it's women in sports beyond mm -hmm. the hashtag, or if it's actually a company, mm -hmm. I think one of the key things that you're saying is that you need to keep the focus, Absolutely. right? I mean, you can't do everything at once mm -hmm. and you can't say that your business will provide like solutions for everyone. And the same thing with an initiative like this. Absolutely. Focus on the one thing that you can actually solve and do that really well. And then hope that either someone else picks up the other pieces or you can like pick up on them later on. Absolutely. But like keeping the focus, that, that is so very wisely put. <laughs> <laughs> I keep but, naming so many people now, <laughs> but everyone can keep up. But I read a lot and I, I love, uh, yeah. 
but but th there's one thing um uh, and you're mentioning that like you're talking about the opportunities that are there that don't necessarily cost a fortune to to sort of like to get things started and, and let's pick up on that a little bit uh because you're you're like creating this this uh uh collaborative environment for the women in sports and you're doing that through an online platform and events and, and there's a lot of work put into that but Maybe if, I mean, we'd love to share, right? Mm -hmm. We'd like to share things that we've learned to see so others can learn from that. And can you maybe share something about the strategy to, to, make, to make this community happen? Mm -hmm. I think there are a few different things involved. Um, firstly, it should be about the people. It should be about serving. Another one of my favorite quotes is actually by Albert Einstein. And he says, strive not to be a success, but to be of value. So sometimes we start off and we are focusing on so many, like the ambition of like, this is what I can get. This is what I want to achieve. You know, I want to be on whichever magazine about sports, blah, 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 blah. And then that doesn't always bring much value to the people that you're trying to serve. Right. So firstly, focusing on what is the goal? What is the value? And then keeping that, that focus. And for us, like I mentioned before, it was creating tangible value. And so knowing this then informs every single thing that we do afterwards. So one of the most important things with initiatives is that you shouldn't try to preempt the narrative, but you should rather let things unfold. And then as they unfold, take what you need to take from the unfolding of things, to feed into your into your goal right so we talk about creating tangible value when we first started we were focusing on um the visibility issue so um the statistic that everyone keeps quoting four percent of global media coverage is uh, for women's sports and now it's increased to 15 percent some people are celebrating some people are going only 15 percent it depends on how you look at it but on our side, because we were focusing on that, we started inviting loads of prominent uh, women, women in sports and male allies and everyone to to sort of uh, come onto our platform so we can give them visibility and champion their their missions and sort of give them that platform. So because it's hard to support something that you don't know exists, right? So that was the whole idea when we first started. But as we were going along, we realized that, okay, when it comes to actually the technology side of things and using data to inform your commercial decisions, most women's clubs are underfunded to start with. So they're not really looking at these things that on the men's side we're taking for granted, right? Because there's a budget for it. So it's like on the men's side, it gets done. So then we realize from the conversations that we're having, we're not seeing that many women, we're not seeing that many women's uh, sports clubs. And so because we want to create tangible value, we started to focus on that. OK, how can we create tangible value in that in this area? And so this is when we started looking at, OK, we'll bring in workshops so that uh, more women, women's sports clubs and sports organizations can understand what what we are all about, you know, because at the, at the at the end of the day, we do have products that we know work, you know, that we have used for different sports clubs and organizations from federations to leagues that we know that these definitely work and that on the women's side, they're not being used that much, right? And so then we, we started thinking, okay, so then how can we close, bridge that gap since they don't have the funds, they don't have maybe the manpower 
or rather human resources to use a more gender neutral term they don't have they don't have resources to be able to uh, um, sort of start using the strategies and the technology mm. and the resources that the men's side use and we started the workshop we started a program commercializing women's sports program where clubs can um be part of a two uh two workshops and then a free audit free consultation all that kind of stuff so that we can understand where they are on their journey with with data so to to sort of uh, summarize what i just said it's like firstly focusing on the goal and keeping that goal in focus secondly allowing the um things to unfold and allowing whatever happens whatever unfolds to feed into your purpose versus kind of like okay now we're talking about uh, Web3, so we're going to abandon ship and focus on Web3 because now you're chasing trends, right? You're not focusing on your core strength. And again, we chose that goal because it was our core strength. It wasn't something that we were like, one day we might be able to do this. We said, what are we capable of doing right now? What are we able uh, to do right now and do it very well? And that's where the creating tangible value came in. So. Yes, that, that was the strategy. And that will continue to be the strategy because, like I said earlier, we don't know what will happen in the next three years. We don't know what might happen in the next 10 years. We don't know what might happen tomorrow, right? But we will allow that to inform how we expand. And that's another thing. Don't expand too quickly, but also don't resist expansion. Because sometimes we focus on the wrong metrics. We go, ah, okay, we've got 300 downloads on the podcast or 1,000 downloads on the podcast. So it means this, and then we jump the gun. And then you have to go back again to the drawing board because what you kind of did was not the right next step. So trying to take it step by step by step and always focusing on the core goal as you take the next mm -hmm. steps forward has been the strategy. I think it's... So many wise, wise words. No, 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 really. I mean, it's uh, it's so interesting to hear. And I know that we could probably be talking about this for the rest of the the, the episode, but I want still uh, to to shift gears a little bit because we do need to touch uh, uh, on 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 the fact that this is the hundredth uh, episode, right? And we're yeah. celebrating that uh, of the Sports CBT Crash Course. Uh, so let's talk a little bit of of, of your role as the podcast host. Um, what would I mean? Would you just share like your secret sauce about the women in sports? So let's let's go into the secret sauce for actually delivering such engaging and informative content. And this is really interesting because this is something you can actually measure, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just us saying that we're actually delivering something that is engaging. Yeah, uh, we actually know. We actually because know. we can measure it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the whole purpose is that we want to actually we truly want to share what 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 the things that we've learned and also learn from others so i think it's 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 great to see the engagement but what has been your secret sauce when it comes to this yes i think and i do think that this is the secret sauce <laughs> i do think so because um whenever i like in the beginning and it still continues that till today when i reach out to people for a podcast they will ask me what do you want me to talk about mm -hmm. And I always go, I don't want you to talk about anything. What do you want to talk about? And I think that's the powerful thing of when you tell someone this is what you should talk about, they will talk about it because that's what they should talk about. But they won't talk about it in a passionate, 
engaging way because it's just something that they should do. And when it comes to podcasts, there is no video. So I can't watch your body language. I can't be distracted by, oh, those are nice drapes. So I kind of zone out. You're just looking at, you're just listening to the person's voice and you can hear passion. I don't know if people can hear this, but I, I personally, I think, yeah, you can, you can hear this. Like when you, someone- You can't see the body language that Lorraine is using, yeah. but, but I, I guarantee you it's there. So it's, the passion is certainly there. Exactly. And it's like when someone is, is excited to talk about something, they become more animated, they speak faster, they speak louder, they speak uh, with a bit more kind of, it flows, they don't have to stop to think about, oh, what what was what did I mean to say? What is that point? You know, it, there's just a flow to it. And if you allow people to bring their stories the way that they want to bring their stories, that is the secret. And also you have to want to know what they want to talk about as well, right? Because sometimes it's like, you only listen so you can ask the next follow-up question so then you miss an opportunity to mm. ask that mm. question that you hadn't planned for but actually is much more interesting so i think just genuinely being interested in what other people have to say is the secret and this is so powerful because right now when you think about media one of the things that the media gets uh, backlash for is they sort of drive the narrative. They find the people that will affirm what they already mm -hmm. want you to think. But when it comes to podcasts, I think this is where people can really like storytellers, companies, brands, they can really stand out because they can allow people to, to sort of speak their minds. Now that said, you also have to do it within certain boundaries because we at Data Talks, we believe in inclusion. We believe in sort of supporting each other. We believe in uplifting versus tearing apart right so I wouldn't or we wouldn't allow someone to come onto the podcast so that they can then talk bad about oh men don't support women or women are the superior sex whatever you know we would never have that because that's not a value that we have so I just had to throw that in there that allow people to, to speak their minds but also it should be within sort of your own values as well of like this is wrong you know there are certain things that are like black and white this is wrong you shouldn't be saying that so we would never entertain that but other things are great and we're willing to talk about the gray and the colorful yes fantastic and one of the things uh that i now experience is, is this is my first time as a podcast host is like uh there's like different stages to listening right i mean that that's just the way it is mm -hmm. and it really requires you to deeply listening to whatever saying because I mean you, you have such you have the idea of how you want the episode to sort yeah. of like the idea that it should follow yeah but at the same time if you're not listening to the person and you're just asking the questions like like, like what you're saying then you're missing out on so many other stuff so it's it's so interesting to to hear you talk about this and I think that goes for a lot of times in life where you need to like make sure you have the time to actually listen to whatever Mm. that that person is 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 saying right? I think so so mm. that that it's that is a it's a skill set I would say it definitely yeah. yeah so now amongst all of these episodes then um um is the one or or couple maybe I don't know uh, that, that you would like to mention that they like left a profound impact on you or, or in some way maybe contributed to your personal growth and, and development is, is there something like bits and pieces that you would like, or maybe a full episode that you would like to sort of lift? Yes. I think one of the, 
the the one thing that all episodes that have sort of impacted me have in common is that everyone that was talking was very passionate about what they were doing. I remember talking to Lucy Mills and at the end of that episode or during the episode, I think I kind of was like, okay, now I need to ask this. And I was like, where do you find the time to do all of this? Like she <laughs> mentioned so many things that she's just like, I just love it. So I, I find time. So everything kind of, so that was the sort of the first time I sort of stopped and realized the importance of passion and because you can't really fake it, you know, you can't really, you can, but it shows, eventually mm. it shows that mm, one plus one is not two, as I like to say. And also Soline Alzubi, she, she, her favorite quote was follow your passion and success will follow you. And I was like, oh, great quote. Yeah. And she is so, she is, she's so humble. I think that's one of the things that struck me about her because she's achieved so much. She's now the head of women's football at um, the Malaysian Football Association. And she's just so humble. She's just so, I don't know. Do you know when it's just a person, you're talking to a person, you know, and I I find people like that. Nick Meacham is the same way as well. He's one of the first CEOs that actually responded to my email when I said I'd love to interview you. Now, maybe he might have been biased because I am part of the Sports Pro New Era program, so it would have been difficult to say no. But I'd love to, <laughs> I'd love to think that's not why he said yes, right? So I think when you meet people that are highly accomplished, but that seem to be as human and as humble as just me and you, as just, it's like, this could be a friend, this could be a colleague, and there's, there isn't that differentiation of like, I know more than you and I'm about to tell you all about mm. it. Those are the most impactful ones. And I have to mention Nancy as well from Mercury 13, because again, it was that same thing, because I, I don't know, it's just because like sometimes you message people and the response isn't that great. So with her, I wasn't ex- expecting it to be as good as it was. Like it was amazing. She she just laughs throughout the whole podcast. She's very generous with her spirit, is how I like to say it. So she doesn't just deliver the facts, but she delivers the facts in the way that she feels, you know. So if she's excited about something, you will see it and you will hear it. And I absolutely love, 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 love those um, Yeah. Yeah. I just I just love it when like Stefan, one of my favorite things in life is just like the the human connection, the mm. just because in at work, we can be so sterile sometimes. It's like, I'm here to do a job. I'm here to deliver. I'm here to do my branding. Other than that, don't try to get to know me. Don't try to experience me. And I just think that that is such, that is not the way to go at all. Because if we're going to spend eight hours together, hopefully that eight hours is filled with more than just the bottom line. But it's rather filled with like loads of excitement, loads of fun, loads of emotion, loads of even when you have something to say, like it said with compassion, it said, you know, I think that like work is a space that can really contribute more to people's lives than it actually is contributing at the moment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. And maybe it's like the, we're talking about this, the people behind the, mm-hmm. the, the who you are mm-hmm. and finding that out is mm-hmm. maybe also contributing to the bottom line. So Absolutely. just focusing on the bottom line, I don't think that that is Absolutely. like the way to go. <clears throat> You'll certainly get like the, the bottom line, but you won't get it the way you want the, it. Yeah. That, that, that's for sure. Yeah. So, but it's interesting though, that you're mentioning now going into to the 
to the personal part of things because now we've talked about like your achievements. Let's talk a little bit more about you and, and who you actually are, right? Yeah. One thing that I would like to, um, and we actually touched on this in the beginning, we talked about celebrating. Yeah. Right. How difficult that can be. Yeah. But I mean, you you you've been successful. You've done some fantastic achievements. Uh, how have you celebrated this? I'm really bad at celebrating it, Stefan. So can I be cheeky and ask you how have you celebrated your milestone? Because <laughs> then I would I could learn a thing or two about celebrating, and then we'll take it from there. Okay. <laughs> You know, if there's, then we have something in common that we definitely need to improve and definitely yeah. need to learn is to celebrate. Yeah. And I think it's, for me, it's like, yeah, I'm terrible. Mm. I'm terrible at celebrating. And, and the reason is you need to stop mm. and reflect, right? Mm. Even on the good stuff, they're not just saying, Phew, great, that went well. Yeah. And then you move on yeah, to the yeah, next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the way that the, the human brain is wired, it's so much easier to focus on the bad things or the things that don't go well, instead of focusing on the things that are positive mm. and go well, mm. right? So I think that's that's maybe one of the things. Mm. But then let, let's make a promise then. <laughs> that, that, that will, together, we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> be better at celebrating. Absolutely, and then we can do episode 200 and then come back <laughs> and it'll be all about celebration. <laughs> But I want to touch on what you what you just said about the, the the human being. Like in another world, I would have studied like neuro neuroscience and just sort of like like an intersection between neuroscience and psychology because I I find it so fascinating how just our wiring makes us not do certain things because I think the reason like for me anyway I can only speak for myself the the reason I'm so not into celebrating is because there's a risk with celebrating, right? Because we're so primed for for protection. Mm. We're, we're wired to protect ourselves. So when you're afraid and the adrenaline, all that stuff, it's it's very natural for us to feel because it's like you're enacting your protective side, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then to stop and actually be like, this is good. There's no need to protect. It's just take it in, expand, be happy and expect more of this. That's a very difficult thing because it's easier to expect more of the bad stuff because that's just, I mean, you see it everywhere. And we, we kind of expect that sometimes with, if we don't really work um, intentionally to be like, no, I'm not going to expect the bad. I'm going to expect the good as well. You know, yeah. you say the best is yet to come, but I would reckon like not that many people actually believe that. And I think I fall, I fall in that category of I just need to be better at being happy and being better at being at celebrating, be better at just taking in the good instead of always trying to strive for like, I'm going to improve this, I'm going to do that. Because yes, I will do it anyway, but wouldn't, wouldn't I rather do that while also being very happy and feeling very accomplished and mm. feeling very excited? And this is so interesting because what we're talking about here is like, uh, uh, like the mental state and maybe also a little bit about the mental health, mm. right? So yeah. so we're touching on a very like interesting topic here. And I think here we can learn a lot from the sports world actually, mm. right? Mm. Uh, I mean, if you think about sports and business is, is in many ways very mm. similar to each other. Mm. One thing that's central in both is performance, right? Mm. But if you then in, in sports, if you start scratching the surface of the performance that's being made, then you see like it's a, it's a palette of, 
different things that need to be in place to make it work. And one of the things is like you have to be in a mental state of mind that, that you sort of have that image of you being successful, which of course means that you need to be looking and, and seeing that, yes, so I, I won this race or I scored that goal or I made that deal and I need to expect more of that. <clears throat> and that's so difficult, right? But I think one if you listen to um, people in sports, I would say it's people in sports, not business, it's people yeah. in sports, if you yeah. listen to them, they've seen themselves be successful. Exactly. They visualized it. And so they're seeing themselves getting that yeah. Olympic gold around their neck. Yeah. So they, they've seen that's, that's something that's in my visual state of mind and I, I will achieve that. Yeah. And I think that's that can be very powerful. Absolutely. But then you're left with, then you have to believe that image. Exactly. And that's where you need to do the, the, the real work. work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's interesting, uh, really interesting uh, uh, topics. Um, so uh, one one last uh, question, maybe two, but one last question. Um, could you, like what we're talking about, like more personal stuff. So. Are there any like hobbies or, or special skills that you're more passionate about when it comes yeah. to your personal life? Yeah, I love uh, I love stories. So I love reading. I love uh, watching TV. I think TV is oh yeah something interesting about me that I've also <laughs> yeah that sounded very very humble. <laughs> but did you know that you you don't know this? But I'll just say, did you know anyway? Uh, did you know that? The reason I moved from Botswana, or I finally believed that it was possible for me to move from Botswana and pursue my dreams, was because at the time, this was 2012, a lady by the name Kerry Washington was playing, um, was the lead actress on um, Scandal. And Scandal was the first show in 20 something years, or maybe 13, something like that years where uh, uh, a black woman was actually in the lead. And so in my generation growing up, I didn't see any black women in the lead in those roles. I would see them as like slaves. And since I'm not from the US, that that is a bit removed from me. So I don't, re it doesn't really resonate with me. And so when I saw Kerry Washington playing Olivia Pope, suddenly something inside of me was like, oh my gosh, this is possible, this mm. is possible. And within a year, I went from, I can't really afford to move abroad to, okay, now I'm in a university in the UK and universities in the UK are very, very expensive. So things happen like this when I suddenly believed. So that's why I believe so much in the power of like stories. Cause you don't just believe in a vacuum. You have to, sometimes it takes inspiration from seeing it from someone else. That's the importance of representation, right? That you see enough variety of people that look like you or that have something in common with you because it doesn't looking like you doesn't always i believe doesn't always mean like black woman that it can mean like okay this person's circumstances were similar to mine even though they don't physically look like me i feel like spiritually and emotionally i really connect with that person and seeing their success can trigger something inside of you so that's why i'm always trying to tell stories and trying to tell stories from the perspective of the people behind those stories versus from my perspective because then you can really tap into that human spirit and tap into that inspiration so stories of all formats so poetry i love writing poetry when i can't 
describe or explain or sort of process my emotions. I just write random like poetry and just, yeah, so everything to do with stories and then nature. I think nature, we have so much to learn from nature. Yeah, just being still, being present, being the real you, understanding seasons, you know, because if you look at a tree, I was going to do this. I, I didn't do it, but maybe one day I'll do it. I was going to pick one tree and then just observe that one tree every single day for a year and kind of see. Because we, when, when like all of the flowers have bloomed, it's obvious that it's spring, mm -hmm. but they don't just bloom overnight, you know. The little signs that we miss throughout that show that, oh, this is going in that direction. And I think it's the same in our lives. Sometimes we're like, oh, we want to reach maybe a billion dollar um, MRR or whatever. I don't know if that's possible. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we want to do. But then we miss the signs, the little signs that show us that actually we are on that path because we're like, we're waiting for the, for the big thing, then we believe, right? So those little things, like, yeah, nature is so inspiring. You know what? I think that that was such a great ending to this, yeah. uh, because I think it's, it's, you're, you're putting it so, so, so wisely. And I, I also believe that uh, things happen when you believe that they will happen. Mm -hmm. That's when you're in the right state of mind mm -hmm. to push things. And also the, the last thing you're saying about the little signs, that's often how it happens. There's not the big bang, it's the little signs and you need to pick up on them. And then we're back to the celebrating part. You don't yeah. just celebrate the big things, you just celebrate the small things. Exactly. Like it's so important. Yeah. I actually had one more question, but I, you know what? That was such a great ending, so I'm, I'm gonna leave it. Wonderful. Uh, and just, I wanna, I wanna thank you so much, Lorraine. First of all, I want to uh, thank you for being on the team. That, that's most important. So, so thank you for that. And of course, like huge thanks for making the, the, the Sports CDB Crash Course such a great resource for Data Talks. And also all the amazing work you've done with, with the women in sports beyond the hashtag. Thank but you. mainly for being on the team. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm very happy to be in the team. And now we start uh, on the other side of two years. Exactly. Wonderful. Nice. <laughs> yes.